verse 43, okay? So 42, we've been hammering it. Like, it was like, I have this picture of fireworks. Like, you know, like where it's like, boom, and they devoted themselves. We looked at that, or the and they, the regenerate, the people who believe the gospel that Peter preached. And then it was like, Marks of a healthy church, right? And it was like, boom, apostles teaching. And we chewed on that. And what is that? And it's not just simple Bible study. What do the apostles teach that Christ was the fulfillment of the scriptures? It was biblical theology, a theology from the Bible that Jesus is the one. He's the Messiah. And they brought it all together. You look at Peter's sermon. That's why he quoted the Old Testament. They were devoted to really searching the scriptures and studying it well. You know, and so for that, for we talked about that that's that um that week, and why at our church we make it a hope to study through the whole Bible. We don't want to just give these little nuggets and vitamins of topical little things here and there. We want to go through the whole scripture, you know. And then we went to the next one, it's like boom, fellowship. And we looked at it's a Christ centered fellowship, it was a community that was gathered around this one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one gospel, right? It wasn't just hanging out. That's what fellowship was. And then we looked at the next part, like, boom, and it was prayer, right? So they, they believed in Jesus. They studied Jesus. They fellowshiped in Jesus. They prayed to Jesus. So by this time, if you've been with us at least for a month, you've seen that a healthy church, it's very Christ-centered in nature. Very much so. Very much so. Everything they did had to do with Christ. And so now 43 to 47, it's like we saw those big fire, like boom, boom, boom. And then now, you know, like at the end, like right before midnight and then all the, the local families who are into blowing their paper, um, they have that big red one. It's like at the end. That's, that's how I see 43 to 47. We're just going to go. Like we're going to see a bunch more like boom, healthy, boom, 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 all the way to 47. Okay. That's how I see it in my mind. But we'll try to go still slowly where, where each point is still heard, but I, I do think that 43 to 47 is very much a result of 42. Very much. 43 to 47 doesn't happen unless verse 42. And that's why we love that Dr. Luke put in a lot of these ands, right? It all flows. Okay, so we're picking it up from 43. And awe. And I love that Hannah brought up. King James says, fear um, and Brother Silas said they were just like awestruck because you do that word study and it is. It's fear. There was dread. There was even terror. But it, it defines it also in a word study where it's a reverential awe. Like this is not just like awe. All right. The church wasn't filled with warm fuzzies. There was a sense of like it was there was a gripping of your heart. Now, when it says awe and then every soul I want to say it's not merely just the church, but perhaps everyone that was there in the midst. Because it's every soul. Okay? So whether the soul was regenerate or not, I think everyone in their midst, there was something happening that it was so, that's why in verse 43, these miraculous signs and wonders, I think that had to, had something to do with producing this like, oh my gosh. And here's some, some, some other verses that have the same Greek word. Mark 4, 41, when Jesus calmed the storm. There was a supernatural thing that just happened. It said, verse 41, they were filled with great fear. Same Greek word, but used differently in English. Not awe, but fear. They were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, look, it says, who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? This was the type of awe that caused people to just stop and wonder. 
Like, who is this man? That's part of the atmosphere that's going on right now in this place. Luke 7, 16 says, fear seized them. This is after Jesus raised the widow's son, another supernatural thing. Fear seized them. It gripped them. It grabbed them. And it said this, and then they ended up glorifying God. So you got to try to paint the picture of the kind of awe that's going on in the, in, the, in the community right now. There's this, one, there's this sense of like, oh my gosh, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? Well, what are these apostles talking about? What's happening around? Like, what is going on? And then there's another sense of like, it, it grips them where they're terrified and that all they're left to do is worship and glorify God. Here's another verse, Philippians 2.12. This is referring to the church, same Greek word for awe. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear, full boss, and trembling. So this awe causes you to wonder. This awe also causes you to worship. But this awe also causes you to work out yourself, like do something. It's the type of, some, it's the type of awe that grabs your soul where you, it's, it's not enough to just sit, listen, and okay, that was cool. That, 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 that hit me hard tonight, man. No, this type of awe would move people into action. And so because it says every soul, I also want to make the mark, though, I do think because the church, primarily the church was there, a healthy church has a healthy fear of the Lord. Like there is a healthy fear of the Lord. And I got to be honest and just ask you when, you, when we gather, like what awes you? Are you awed by him? Is there a sense of reverence when you approach God? I, I tell this story a lot. I have a buddy who um, went, to visit, um, and went to stayed in Fiji for some time, and he was worshiping with the churches there. And as they approached the the the, the gathering, there would be an elder outside, and he'd stop the young men. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And they're, "Oh, we're, we're coming to worship." And he's like, "You're coming to worship? Worship who? Oh God? Then worship." And then he'd let them in. There was this sense of like, guard your steps. Like like let's not fool around tonight. That was, the, that was the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit was working in the church. And, and I do confess and think that it's so easy to fall from that. We need to pray, members of our church, we need to pray that there is a right fear before the Lord. Let me give you some scriptures. Psalm 111 verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's insight. That's knowledge. But it starts where? The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise it. You fear the Lord this evening. Do we? The Bible says you'd be a fool to not fear the Lord. The Hebrew writer writes, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We have to remember who we're looking at. This is the church, the body of believers who just before this realized they were at odds with Jesus because of their sin, their rebellion. They knew full well they deserved the full wrath of God. That was a reality to them. So when they heard that Christ died in their place, 
And that if they repented and believed, there's this like, oh my gosh, there's this awesomeness about that. And there were visitors and people around, and I think mixed in with this and that and what they were seeing. And as we keep going through the text, I, I really do think there's a sense of awe on every soul. God, give our church a healthy fear. Let's keep going. So verse 43, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We looked at this a little earlier in chapter two, right? The, we talked about this. The miracles were validating the messengers, right? Because Jesus gave these apostles authority to go and bring the word and the Holy Spirit is doing miraculous signs and wonders through them in order to validate that these guys are legit. Let me give you some, uh, let me give you a verse that the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 12. It says this, the signs of true apostles. See that? He wouldn't say that unless there was maybe false, right? The signs of true apostles were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. The signs were meant to affirm that what these guys are teaching, the apostles teaching you're devoting yourself to, is legit. Remember, for those of us who are part of this church in our statement of faith, we believe that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient word of God. It, we have an inspired book by God. God wrote this. This. The signs and wonders were meant to help the people realize like, what they're teaching you, what they're saying, the scriptures they're unpacking. It's real. They're telling the truth. It caused the, the, the people to come to really listen. I pray that God would preserve that type of faith and awe in us. Whenever you open the Bible, Isaiah 66 says this in verse 2. It says, this is the man in whom God looks. He's humble, contrite. He trembles at my word. I don't know if you really realize, if we really realize what we have, what you have in your lap. It's a wonderful thing. It's the word of God. The apostles' teaching, the apostles affirmed by the signs and wonders that were being done. No doubt that added to the awe factor. Verse 44, let's keep going. All who believe. Now it's getting a little bit more sweet. Not just every soul, but all who believed. Be keen. Note those things. What are, who are we speaking about now? The church, the regenerate, the born again. You're wondering, where, where do we get that word regenerate? John chapter 3. Jesus has his dialogue with Nicodemus. You must be born again. All right? Um, all who believe were together. This is going to go with Bree's point that she pointed out for us. Look down at verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple court together. Here's another healthy mark of a healthy church or healthy members are in the habit of gathering together. They're not in the habit of isolating themselves. You see that? They're in the habit of gathering together. Not in the habit of isolating themselves. Same word used in 1 Corinthians 11 when Paul talks to the church. When you come together as a church. Remember this in 1 P 
Peter 5, 8, that your enemy, our enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. If you know anything, and I'm not a zoologist, <laughs> and, and in Hawaii, we know not much predators anyway. Hunting is so the kind, yeah? <laughs> we just got to worry about mosquitoes. But in other areas of the world where you go hunting and there's lions, when lions hunt prey, they creep and stalk the pack, but they stay hidden. They wait. They wait for someone in the pack to get lame or hurt or injured and drift and isolate a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. They wait. They wait. And when that person's isolated all by themselves, boom, they pounce. And they tear it to shreds. This is how the enemy works. This is why we are told and taught to be together. This is why the enemy loves it that churches don't make a big deal about being together and being a part of a church. Or the, I think the enemy likes it that we don't talk about church membership. We don't talk about what it means to be committed to a community. Talk about Jesus and his love, but don't talk about anything like that. I think the enemy likes that, that kind of church. A bunch of people that appear on a picture together, but in, in reality, super isolated. Nobody's really invested in one another's lives. Nobody really knows each other. Going to church can be like going to the mall. There's a bunch of people around, but you don't know them. They don't know you. That's not what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2. Day by day, together. Let me give you some more scripture on this. Proverbs 18 verse 1. Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. When we begin to isolate ourselves, it reveals this, the Bible says, we're becoming more selfish. And then it also leads to this, we lose all sound judgment. Isn't it true that when you start to feel more alone and isolated. You start to think all kinds of wrong things. And the first people you think wrongly towards is probably your brothers and sisters. You start to assume and presume and you judge. And you get all fussy. You're left alone with all your thoughts. The enemy likes that. It's so important that we gather Hebrews chapter 10 speaks about this too. It says, um, shoot, let's turn there. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Maybe that's why I'm forgetting exactly where it is. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. We didn't turn too much tonight. We're talking about healthy church members or a healthy church is in the habit of gathering, not in the habit of isolating themselves. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, give you a second to get there. Let's pick it up at verse 24. Good context this is in light of the assurance of your faith. Verse 24, it says this. So let us consider how let us think about this, how to what? To stir one another up to love and good works. How? Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, 
as is the habit of some. It's habitual. It's very habitual and very easy, more so now in our time and generation, where just stay home, just do everything online. It's becoming a normal, habitual thing in our culture. The church is countercultural. Let us hold fast. Let us consider. Let us not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. But encourage one another. Why is it so important that they got together? They needed encouragement. Don't you need it? I need it. What's more encouraging, a text or when someone comes through? What's more, what's, what, 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 what lifts your heart more when you just kind of see a post or when you see the actual real FaceTime in front of you? And just there, you see them, you smell them, you hear them. Sometimes it's encouraging. No, no, no. But, right, that, there's, you can't replace that. Now look at this. All the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, as we keep going through the book of Acts, you're going to see this togetherness more and more because I believe the believers were right to believe that they thought any moment Jesus would come get them. Just remember that. Any moment now, the day is near, nearer than it's ever been. Either we die and go to him or he's going to come get us. So how have you all the more been serious about walking this together side by side. Now more than ever, I believe, because it's that much closer to the day, we, the believers of Jesus Christ, need to be together. We need to. And we need to encourage each other in the faith. So what was happening here in Acts. All who believe were together. Let's go back to chapter 2. Those of you who are taking notes, because I see you, you know, like, as, as you listen to sermons or as you listen to Bible studies, as the Spirit of God is, you're conversing with Him and the Word of God is pricking you or giving you ideas or things are coming to your mind, you know, like, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to start, uh, maybe I need to take the membership steps or, oh, you know, maybe I should join a small group. Whatever those things are going on right now, please, I encourage you, write it down, note it, and you look at that every single day until you respond and you can cross that thing off. Don't let these things run away from us. So we're at verse 44. All who believe were together, had all things in common. Okay, someone mentioned that. I think Khalil mentioned that in our observation. Let's read a little bit more. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is such a dope picture. I mean, common, koinos, everything was ordinary or belonging to the general this is not in case you're thinking like this this is not a text for communism or socialism oh look at that they all, everything was bro chris your truck is my truck you know like okay just because look it says selling their possessions they still had possessions the bible doesn't teach communism because it teaches you can steal you know, you can steal something that's not yours, okay? Um, possessions, belongings, distributing all the proceeds. And it wasn't evenly distributed. It was as any had need. You see that? Just to snuff that idea out if you were running that route, okay? 
Healthy members, they do this. They put others above self. Notice they sold their stuff to help another person that needed. They put others above themselves. And they had this deep, deep generosity. We're going to get to chapter four. People were selling homes, houses, estates. If they had cars, they just, be, bro, like, you, you're, you're in need. I got a brother or sister in the house that's in need. We're going to do something about it. And if I got the means to help, I'm going to help. And this was all voluntarily. They had a deep generosity to one another. And my question is, if we remind just remember who we're talking about. This is a beautiful picture. You know why? Because this is a diverse group of people from all over the world, all different backgrounds, all sorts of dem- young, old, rich, poor. Can you imagine a funky group of people that you just, when you take a picture of them, it does, you don't understand how they even want to take a picture together. But then now put, put that on, now put on top of that, imagine them all having each other's back. Taking care of one another, laying it down for one another, willing to go that far. I have a question. Who taught them this? Where did they learn to be so self-sacrificial? Where did they learn to be so other-centered? Where did they learn to be so deep in their generosity? That's right. That's why they they were studying their Bible. They had a deep generosity because they had a deep understanding of grace. They had a deep understanding of the gospel. That's why you go to Philippians chapter 2, right? And Paul breaks it down right there. He's like, okay, if any of you are encouraged in Christ, any comfort, if this is really happening, then it's not about you. Lay down your interests for the interests of others. And then he gives the, 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 the great example. This is your mindset in Christ. And then from six to eight, he preaches the gospel. These believers are living out what they had professed they believed. That's why this is so wild. This community is just, I'm imagining the neighbors just peeking over at these houses now that are just filled with like, oh, how come that guy's over here? Why why are they eating together? Did you just sell that cattle? You just got that cattle for, for him. You know, like, he's like, what? He's a poor person or whatever. You know, like, that's the type of awe factor the community had. So let's bring it home. How others-centered are we in this place? I mean, think about it. Like, how attentive are we to the needs of brothers and sisters in this place? How generous are we? Are we stingy? These are just help. These are nice, good checks of our vitals to see if we really are in the faith. I love this picture. It's beautiful. And we must understand this, that these believers, I mean, this community is not like this just because they're cool like that. Just remember that. This is all because of Christ. Galatians 6, 1 through 2, it says this, Brothers, if anyone's caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. This is a picture of burden bearing for sure. Brothers and sisters in the community, 
remember, this, this group of people, they're not perfect people. They're all bust up. They're all coming into this family with their own baggage, their own burdens, their own issues and dramas. And supernaturally, because of the gospel and because of Christ dwelling in them now and the Holy Spirit moving in their midst, they're helping each other out. That's so cool. How do they know the needs? They had to share. They had to take note of it. Where did they get the ideas to sell their possessions and go help a brother or help a sister or help a family out, help an orphan, help a widow? Gosh, I, I left it in my office. I found this, um, I think his, what's his name? I didn't even write his name down. There's this guy, ah, oh, I'll have to read it later. I found this um, excerpt of a dude that, that was living just a few years. He wrote this to the emperor a few years after the book of Acts was penned. I'm going to butcher his name. It starts with an A. But um, he wrote the letter to the emperor and he sent it because he was writing of what he's seeing, how the church is acting. It's such a cool little letter. I have to go read it. I don't have time to run into my office, so it's all good. Uh, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, man. Just, we'll, we'll go look it up together after. But it's just such a, like, oh, it's such a beautiful picture, man. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's what's going on in the church right now. They're, they're investing in one another. I hope and pray that at our church we would embody that. Not because we're cool and not because we want to appear like we're cool like that. Wait till you get to Acts chapter 5 but because this gospel, we believe it. We have a deep understanding of the grace of God and it flow, and, and it, we just can't help but wanna give. And this is not just financial generosity. There's so, much, there's so much stuff you guys can give to one another. We have older senior adults in our church. They might need help pick, getting picked up to church or they might need help figuring out how to log on Zoom. You guys are rich in that. I need, I'm poor in that. I need you. You know, like there's many ways we could be generous with each other. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. I love hearing really cool stories of like, you know, some, you know, couples willing to babysit for families so that they can go, like parents can go on dates or things like that. Like those are such great Christ ideas, like such anointed ideas. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to give us ideas and how to serve and love one another. Acts chapter 2, let's keep going. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. This is, the, this is different than the 42 breaking bread. We talked about that one. That breaking bread was the ordinances, the Lord's Supper, communion. This one is actually um, breaking bread, partake of food, nourishment. This is grinds. A healthy church knows how for grind. Okay, there you go. That's your point right there. Uh, but no, but seriously, um, look at this. It says they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is such a, oh, such a rich verse, man. Healthy members sincerely invited other members into their personal lives with no hidden agendas. Okay, I'm going to explain why I say that. To invite someone into your home is a big deal. It's a big deal. In this day and even our, who you eat with is a big deal. Very much so in this day. Even in our days, you know how it was in middle school, high school, where you sat in the cafeteria meant something. It showed the world who you're associated with, right? You eat you senior patio or you, you eat the kind outside the gym or you eat in the parking lot or, you know, 
like me, you eat in the teacher's lounge where the teachers don't even eat. It showed, it showed. Yeah, okay. It's true, true story though. But um, who you eat with, where you eat, it means something. It shows a sense of like, I am associating with you. I want us to realize how crazy this picture is. Because remember, who are these people? They shouldn't be hanging with each other. <laughs> they shouldn't care about each other. They should be selling their possessions. for. They shouldn't be eating together. The church picture is a cool thing, but if this church family had a video photo, video album, like a home video, oh, it's just, it's just so cool to imagine the great diversity of all these people coming from all over the world, all sorts of backgrounds, young, rich, poor, homeless, wealthy, just all these sorts of people. And, and now they're like in each other's homes eating together, letting someone into your personal life. How does that happen? Only by the gospel of Jesus Christ that happens. The gospel makes a community like that. And why I say with no hidden agendas, because it says with glad and generous, or like Hannah's version, the King James version, singleness of heart. There was a sincerity, a simplicity. It wasn't mixed motives. When you think about a lot, like the way that we eat with people and that, it's so political nowadays. It's a lot of times you eat with someone and it's just, it's just, you're trying to get into, maneuver your way into a circle friend or there, there is a mixed motive sometimes. There's a hidden agenda or you eat with people that are just like you. You know, as a young believer, whenever I'd read through this text, if I were to imagine how I'm going to apply it this week, I would only imagine myself, oh, oh yeah, so I'm going to go surf with more Christians. Well, I'm going to go eat. I'm going to invite more believers over to my house. But if I'm honest, they all look, they look like me. They act like me. I will hang out with other Christians who are like me. This is not the picture. They were hanging out with people that they had nothing in common. The only thing in common was Christ. And that's the type of fellowship that was growing in this place. I got a question. When's the last time you you put yourself out there. You invited a brother or sister into your home or you wanted to go out and get coffee with a brother or sister in your church. That is no, they're not like you. They're not your age. They don't watch what you watch. They didn't grow up where you grew up. But you have this in common, Jesus Christ. I want to encourage us. There's a lot of diversity we got in our church family. And I want to just encourage us to take advantage of it. I hope if you've been in our church for some years now, that by this time you would have broadened in your fellowship. I know that's something I'm working on. And I'm seeing it laid out right here in, in Acts chapter 2. Beautiful pictures, though. They invited others into their personal lives. No hidden agendas. I know this is a hard one, especially for our generation, because we like just be secret, secret. We're too prideful to invite others into it. We don't want others to carry our burdens because we're shame. You don't want the brother or sister to know next to you what you're struggling with. You don't want people to know that you're hooked on that or you've done that last week. We need to pray that the, 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 the spirit of Jesus, the power of the gospel humbles all of our pride. So where it's, it's normative to show up at church and if I'm hurting, I'm going to get prayer from someone. Even if they're younger than me, older than me, pastor or not, just a brother or sister in, the, in Christ, or just a church member, I need prayer, I need support. I hope that that could be what God works in the community here.
No hidden agendas, just, just Christ. I love that. Let's keep going. Firecracker, right? Firecracker. Boom, 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 boom. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. A healthy church praises God. God gets all the glory. He's doing all the work. The church always has a reason to praise, especially because of this. This life is not where it's at. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God, which is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. The people of God, we must praise him. And him, and him alone. As Pastor Johnny was praying in his prayer, this is why we were created. To give him glory. If God, by his grace, is going to continues to save more people in our midst. We're so stoked. We got to baptize uh, Gabe last week and just to see this stuff happening in our midst. If God, by his grace, continues to do more things in and through in the life of our church, we pray this, Nuwanu, give God glory. Praise God. Always. I loved our Thanksgiving service this past, this past year. It just felt like all of us, God be the glory. The testimonies that were shared, just God be the glory. God is at work. God is here. Not praise to a man or a person or a program or whatever. It's God. A healthy church praises God. Praising God and having favor with all the people. A healthy church is a blessing to its community. It is salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its taste, how shall, the saltiness, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others all the people so that they may see your good works and praise you give glory to your father who's in heaven that's what's happening in this church john 13 34 to 35 a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i've loved you you also love one another. By this, all the people, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I like this word favor because it, the word study says this. It says they had favor with all the people. It says they had grace, they had joy, there's pleasure, there was delight, there was a sweetness. This past week at our church, we prayed. We prayed for our neighbors. We prayed for the people, who, the cleaners who clean this, our church building. We prayed for the yard men. We prayed for KMS, HBA. We prayed for the people who park in our parking lot. Why? Because we hope that God gives us favor with them, that when they peek in, when they come through. We've been having some conversation with some of the cleaners. You know some of the stuff they'll say? Bro, all the other places we clean. They use more colorful words than this, okay? But all the other places they clean, hold, just junk. They use more colorful words, but they're like, just junk. But, oh, when we come and clean here, I don't know. Just like it. You guys are cool. And, and you know what's awesome is we can tell them. I wish we could. I, I can't take, we can't take credit for that. But what do you mean? As if Christ, Jesus taught us that. 
He put that light in us. He taught us to have this love and compassion and care for people. That's the aroma of God. And when all the people in community start to catch a whiff of that, and you invite your brothers, your sisters, your family, your friends, your coworkers to church or a church thing, or there's other believers, they smell something. They're like, what is that? They look at us. They look at you. They look at who does that. That's what we pray God would do in our midst. Amen? Having favor with all the people, we, I pray that we would be a blessing in Nuuanu. I hope so. Even the gas station ladies across the street be praying for them. Sister Letty, that's her name. Yeah, see, oh, I know her too. Yeah, cool. Get him. <laughs> oh, let's keep going. Having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Day by day, those who are being saved. First thing to note, the Lord added. A healthy church is built by the Lord. Let me use some verses. Psalm 127, 1-2, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain for nothing. Unless the Lord builds the house. A healthy church has Christ as the head. He's adding to the number, not us. That's why he gets the glory. Amen. Those who are being, oh, here's another verse for the Lord building the house. Matthew 16, verse 16 to 18. Simon Peter replied, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Big confession right there. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. I tell you, you're Peter. On this rock, I will build my church upon your profession of faith in Christ. That right there, I'm going to build my church on that. So that all the, all, everyone who's a part of that church believes that. That Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God who came and lived the life I could never live. He died the death that we deserve. And if we repent, believe on him, we're forgiven of our sins. We're not under his wrath anymore. We take his righteousness on ours. That's our faith. That's what we believe. We'll die for that. And Jesus says on that, I'm going to build a church, my church. And then gets this. Then what he says, the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. The gates of hate, they're coming out. They're resurrecting. They do not die. When they die, they live. That's the church. That's what I'm a part of. That's what you're a part of. How are we not in awe? God have mercy on us. This is his church. And the Lord is adding to the number of those being saved day by day. Last point. So a healthy church is built by the Lord, but a healthy church has a heart for the unsaved, has a heart for the non-believer. Because yes, in fact, the Lord does build the church. Only God, only Jesus can save your soul. Only Jesus, if you love him and you, put your, you place your faith in him, Jesus did that. God did that. The Lord did that. Not me, not Noah, not this church. Only God. But he uses means. And those means is the church. We're going to turn here to finish. Go to Romans. Go to Romans. 
A healthy church has a heart for the lost, and healthy members are practicing personal evangelism. This is not the pastor's job, period. It's all of us. The Lord is building the church, and he wants to use you, child of God. Romans 10, verse 13 to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I hear some pages. I'll give you a second. Keep going. We're waiting, man. We do this together. Worthy of reading with your own eyeballs. Romans 10, verse 13 to 15. Let's start again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call? On him they have not believed. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Lauren, every time I read this verse, I think of you. If you're in the house, Lauren, maybe you're not in the house right now. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The Lord is adding to the number of those being saved in this day because those who are being saved are being sent and they're telling people about Jesus Christ. They're telling the gospel. They're, tell, they're sharing. If you are truly in Christ, it doesn't matter if you got baptized last week or if you've been a member of this church for 30 years, what should always be burning in your heart is to tell one more soul about how they get right with God, how they can be reconciled and calling people to repentance. I'm going to go on vacation, but you know what I'm not tuning off on? Telling people about Christ. Praying for the person who's sitting next to us and has to put up with blue, crying. I hope that somehow by God's grace, he'll calm down and we can have a cool conversation. I don't know. But we need, like, we are called to tell, to, have, to tell the good news. How are they going to know unless you tell them? Healthy members, they practice personal evangelism. This is Acts 1.8 in action that we're seeing. What happened in Acts 1.8? What did, P, what did Luke say? You receive power. Jesus said, you receive power and the spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This gospel's got to go. And that's why I love the, 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 just this church, this, this fellowship, this picture, just gospel all over it. But deep down in the hearts of these people, I mean, think, I want you to think right now as we close. Think of your families. Think of your families who don't know. Or maybe they think they know, but they don't. No one's broke it down to them. You know how many conversations you can have with someone who's grown up in church and they've never even really heard the gospel? Like it's the hardest thing for them to talk about? Maybe that's some of us in the house right now. There's no shame in that. It's okay. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. Start asking questions. I think that's how God's doing it in our church too. I still think there may be some unsaved church members. Think of your, your people who you call closest friends. People that you say you love them so much. And why would we not share with them? 
the message of Christ, the one thing that's going to matter when they die, when all this is done, Holy Spirit, God in heaven, please give us beautiful feet. So personally, how's your vitals doing? How healthy are you? 242, how's it going? How's, how is your study? How is fellowship? How is prayer? But I, I ask the question because it's, this, is a, this is a text on the church. I mean, Nu'uanu, how are we doing? How is, how faithful are we to exposing the scripture cover to cover? How faithful are we as members trying to dig into that? Don't just wait for someone to invite you to Bible study. Like, ask a brother, sister here and there. I, I don't really get it. Can we just get together? Can we just talk? Can we just study this together? You don't even have to grab one of the pastors, just a believer. How are we doing? How's our fellowship? What holds us together? How's our prayer? How's all these things? Are we, are we inviting one another into each other's lives? How are we doing? It's a good, just ask, how are you doing? How are we doing? And ask God to fill in the gaps right now. Let's not forget though, like if you've been reading through this, if you've been tracking through our study together and, and, and you're starting to read it and get even moved by the, the, the imagery of this text, and, and it looks like a dream. It looks like fiction. Like, no way. No way is that Just remember this. This is only possible, only possible by the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel does. So we start there. Those, there's a handful of you right now in our uh, wanting to do our membership steps and stuff. The first step that we hammer on is, am I a Christian? And what is the gospel? And we will stay there as long as it takes. Because none of that other stuff in 43 to 47 matters until that's there. This is the result of that. We, won't, we cannot confuse the two. I think too often we skip that and go straight to the 43 to 47 and try to be more generous, be more giving, be more serving, study more, pray more. When in fact, you don't even love this Jesus. You don't know him. God help us not, let that not be us. So chapter two, we're Paul. Next week, we pick it up, chapter three. Um, we'll pray. And as the spirit of God is leading and moving, I urge you, respond. Respond. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for creating a people for your name and your glory. For the soul in this room who is in awe because of what Christ has done for them. May we rejoice that our names are written in the book of life. May we take no pride in anything else. Just boast in the cross. Only boast in the Lord praising God for all that you've done in our lives and in our church and in our midst. What a treasure it is to just be part of the family of God. 
for the soul that's in our midst that is in awe yet this is peculiar this is strange scripture still a foreign language we pray <laughs> whether that soul thinks they're standing firm or not we pray that all of us lord we would repent of our sins and believe on the lord jesus christ we'd stare at the cross we'd survey it we'd wonder at it open our eyes let us see give us faith to believe thank you lord for this church for the community that you've called us here into a new wanu for giving us a family not calling us to a lone ranger christian lifestyle I pray for brothers and sisters who might have felt or maybe are isolated or they're in the habit of being separated that by your spirit you would gather us shepherd us good shepherd and draw us in and keep us close and that we would continue this journey together side by side until you take us home or come to get us we love you lord keep us abiding in this love thank you jesus with the gospel. And we pray this in your name. Amen.